Welcome to episode 71 of the Minimalist Vegan Podcast. Hello, my name is Michael and I'm joined by my beautiful wife, Marsha. Hello. And on this show, we explore what it means to live with less stuff and more compassion. In this conversation, we share our reflections on minimalism from the perspective of people who create content about this very topic for a living. And uh, some of what we share might, might surprise you. But before we get into that, a quick note from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Boomi. If you're anything like us and you care about conscious consumerism, you'll love the range of products that Boomi has on offer. Not only are all their products ethically made in fair trade certified factories, but they also only use premium organic materials, which means no harmful pesticides, no toxic dyes, and there's absolutely no child and exploitative labor involved. The ethically made luxe linen bedding is made from 100% pure organic Belgian flax, vintage wash with an airy, lived-in feel for superior softness. Their linen bedding is made for a wonderful night's sleep with a beautiful range of earthy tones to choose from. We have a special offer for our listeners, giving you 25% off store-wide using the discount code MINIMALISTVEGAN at checkout. T's and C's apply. To learn more about Boomi and their full range, visit boomi.com.au. That's B-H-U-M-I.com.au. Now back to the show. Before we get on to this week's topic, I just wanted to uh, thank everybody who messaged us about our last episode about why why people tend to hate vegans so much. And it was actually really comforting and interesting to see people have similar experiences to us and feel that judgment. Um, you know, I remember even one one of our listeners wrote in and saying how she's completely uncomfortable even telling people that she's vegan or uh, coming across as preachy and it can feel quite isolating as a result of that. So, um, I don't know, it, it, just, it just got me thinking that despite the reputation of, of vegans there's lots of vegans which are kind of like in hiding you know what i mean like they're closet vegans you know that are just um you know wanting to keep to themselves and it's um it's it's a shame it's a shame that the perception of people who live out these values something that we feel so you know generous and compassionate and and often challenging and inconvenient are having to almost tired parts of who they are just to avoid that judgment. And um, anyway, I'd just be curious to see how this all evolves over time and if that stigma will ease over time or if it will continue to rub people the wrong way. But it's it's mm. interesting and, and, you know, we're, we're here with you and um, I think we responded to everybody. Apologies if we haven't, but thanks for doing that because it just shows that there's a lot of people out there that, that think in a similar way. Um but let's let's transition and shift gears into minimalism because on the surface it appears that minimalism has reached like this mainstream threshold. It's more widely accepted as a result and it's probably lost its flair. Uh, back in episode 46, titled What's the Future of Minimalism? We discuss what this would look like uh, moving forward and we talked at length about the trendiness of the movement. So it's almost two years on. Where does it stand for us? More importantly, how do we feel about minimalism today, right now in this moment? So I think it's a good place for us to start with episode 46. And we encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. We're just going to share a, a couple key 
takeaways from that episode so we can build upon that for this conversation. So we we kicked off discussing the history of minimalism and how it relates to art and design concepts. Really, it's it's terminology used to describe an aesthetic. And then we saw a huge spike in minimalism in 2016 as a result of the minimalist documentary that got released and um, got a lot of traction. We had a moment where we discussed some back and forth we had with another blogger who used to identify himself as a minimalist and uh, decided to stop using that terminology to describe his way of living and he had a lot of arguments against minimalism so we had a bit of back and forth there which was a lot of fun and then we talked about the reasons why we felt minimalism would continue to grow so for example the environment which we talked about at length in episode 64 titled what is eco minimalism Uh, personal finance there's a lot of strong movements in debt-free living and the fire movement for people working really hard to now to retire early which requires uh, indirectly a lot of minimalist philosophies technology how the evolution of technology has resulted in a lot less physical clutter at least in our experience Um, however it has birthed a lot of digital clutter in in the same light and the fight against excessive consumerism. There's so much stimulation that we're getting and so many marketing and advertising messages we're getting every single day. And not only that, it's becoming way easier to buy stuff and have it delivered to your doorstep in, you know, in unprecedented uh, delivery time. So we felt that like minimalism will always play a role as long as there was always excessive consumerism or that uh, promotion of that. Flexible work. A lot of people are paring down and downsizing their careers and trading higher salaries and pressure for less income, but less overhead, less expenses and more flexibility. And of course, the aesthetics, um, you know, in terms of simplicity as, as a design concept is pretty timeless. Like it's pretty safe to go with something that is simple. And we also discussed a different terminology that complements and relates to minimalism that may take over or may be used more or interchangeably, even if the word minimalism as a lifestyle dies off. And we talked about phrases like slow living, small living, intentionality, simple living, and essentialism. So that's where we left off. Today, though, I don't know. Marshall and I have been talking about it, and I think minimalism has been leaving a little bit of a bitter taste in our mouths. And I don't know, to understand how we've got to where, how we're feeling about it now, I want to go back to, if you can recall, how you felt about minimalism when you first heard about this concept as a lifestyle. As you mentioned earlier when we were talking about it in the previous episode in terms of the history behind minimalism, to me was like a design concept, like something that was very visual, wasn't very much, it was kind of a lifestyle. I did think more of like, you know, Japanese culture, but it definitely wasn't like a philosophy where it was something more than an aesthetic appeal, let's say. And then I actually quite, when you sort of explained it to me on a bit of a deeper level, I quite liked it because it felt like it created more freedom. It felt like it created more focus and gave you the opportunity to to live life to the fullest potential that you possibly can, to open new paths and, and close certain ones that you didn't feel like served you anymore, 
to pursue relationships or to end relationships. So just to be more positive and intentional with your life. And that really appealed to me. And I think that that kind of excitement of it all and like the birth of the minimalist vegan kind of made me feel very connected and it felt like it gave me a lot of purpose. Yeah, I I can relate to that as well. When you were saying like the the, the doors that it unlocks for you because I, I certainly feel like the philosophy behind minimalism has been around since the beginning of time, but I suppose giving it this title, giving it this label, a description of this radical simplicity uh, really spoke to me. It felt very freeing. It felt like an opportunity to just hit reset at any given moment and, you know, start with a blank canvas with white space and redesign your life, you know, and, and that was really appealing and I think the terminology wrapped it up, uh, you know, I don't know, it, it packaged it in a way that was clear and digestible and easy to understand and easy to apply. So it was very motivating, very inspiring to start embodying the identity of a minimalist or a minimalist mindset. Okay, but so we're obviously pretty, pretty inspired and obviously, it's led to <laughs> not only us making a lot of personal changes in our lives, uh, which we've documented on, on our blog and in this podcast, but it's also led us to even start a business uh, talking about it. That's how excited we were about minimalism. But um, what do you think of minimalism now? It's interesting because if you asked me a few weeks ago, I probably would have given you a different answer. But as it stands right now, I feel like it's turned into a bit of an overhyped concept. And with the amount of coverage that it's had, the amount of idealistic principles that it's created in a lot of people's minds, I think that it sometimes can be more damaging and can seem very trend-like. It's just the same, you know, in some ways how people become vegan then they stop being vegan it can be said the same for minimalism as well because if they don't have a strong root understanding and basis of it it's a very transitional type of lifestyle so I think there's been a lot of people that have come and gone but there has been a lot of people that have also pursued less but I feel like a lot of that comes from the aesthetic component of what minimalism is. So it still is very deeply enrooted in the design concepts. Yeah, right. So it's more like what's in at the moment from a design standpoint. Yeah. And that I think you're, you're spot on there. I think the design part can date the idea and make it feel trendy because that's the way design works. Mm. Um, things come in and out of fashion, if you like. But then at the same time, what you're saying that people come in and out of minimalism, and this is something that I've been really wrestling with recently, is that like to not be a minimalist is kind of inconsequential. You know what I mean? It's like if you stop having a minimalist mindset, you just end up, I don't know, I, like the risk is not that high. You might consume more than you need, but like is that really the end of the world? Probably not. Obviously, it has some impacts some macro level impacts at environmental standpoint and 
and and whatnot. But it's not like veganism, for example, where if you decide to have a steak sandwich or whatever, that has a very tangible consequence to that behavior and action to the animal, of course. Whilst minimalism doesn't have that much at stake, you know, to the same level. You said the word steak. Oh, (laughs) no pun intended. So I think that's the other thing as well is like we've taken this very deep philosophy and approach to it. You know, we've written a book about this topic. And so it's like we've experienced great benefits of minimalism. And we, you know, we're not saying that it cures all of your problems. That's far from the truth. I think it's really a tool. It's a concept that's easy to understand. It's easy to apply um, to, you know, remove a lot of distraction, remove a lot of clutter, remove things from your schedule to hopefully put things back on there that you really want. But does minimalism really make you that happy? Is the hype warranted? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think it gives you the opportunity to really reflect on your life and what's in it and rework it to give yourself the opportunity to be happier but it's not a magic pill like it's not going to solve your problems it's if you're in debt it's not going to solve your debt issues like you can focus on the things that you need to focus to get yourself to that happy place but it's not automatically going to make you happy and I think that this is how it can be perceived on the outside that everyone that's a minimalist or that lives a minimalist lifestyle is happy all of the time and that has white space mentally and physically all the time. Yeah. It's like this tightly curated life. Yeah. Like everything's done with intention and every thought is, you know, thought out. (laughs) And I think it's, um, It can put quite a bit of pressure on you to definitely, like you said before, live by those principles and make sure that you are seeking those things. And if you're not happy, well, then why is that? Yeah. And and I think this really, this comes down to the next point about, you know, because we've we've talked at length and we've got an episode about this in episode 31 about the importance of owning your identity. And interestingly enough, we've talked a lot about identity in the last couple of episodes. Yeah. Whether it's from status, from what you do for work, from veganism. Mm. The, the thought was at the time that like people really struggled to commit to minimalism. It's interesting because sometimes when I think about it and, and having lived this way for a little while now, it seems like it's it's pretty simple. But then I remember that there's so much overwhelm in the world. You know what I mean? There's so many decisions that we all have to make and there's so much stuff that we all have. I mean, average household, 300,000 items. I mean, you you forget that like... Step outside of your bubble. Yeah, you step outside of your bubble and it's a really overwhelming proposition to try to pare down your things or your commitments or your relationships when they're so deeply ingrained in how you live and who you are. So we really thought about this whole idea of, you know, people sort of being afraid to commit to minimalism and say that they're an aspiring minimalist or they want to be a minimalist and, you know, they're reading books and reading blogs and watching YouTube channels and following Instagram feeds of these nice aesthetics and dreaming about it, but they're not taking action. So, you know, a great way to take action is to embody an identity. You know, yeah. if you want to be, if you want to run a marathon, you temporarily embody the identity of someone who runs every day. Mm. You know what I mean? These are just 
some things where I believe identity can be really powerful in behavior change. Yeah. But. Is, uh, you that, know, a, is that a big but? Yeah, yeah because the identity provides clarity and efficiency. Mm. But then identity and labels can also be restrictive and come with pressure and expectations. Especially so, if you publicly announce those. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, what's the right balance here? Because mm. as minimalism has reached this level of attention and it's not as sexy as it once used to be, how do we find the right balance in this terminology? Like what camp are you on between owning that identity to get that transformation and behavior, particularly for somebody who's beginning that journey yeah. versus maybe someone who's a bit further along and is getting a bit burnt out by that concept or having to feel like they're having to live up to that standard, even if it's in their own, if it's in their own psyche. I think honestly it depends where you're at and where you're coming from. Like if, if you're coming from an extreme opposite, then I think it's important because otherwise you're not going to be able to carry it through and pursue it on a long-term basis. But I think if you're a long-term minimalist or someone that identifies with that lifestyle, which we, you know, it's just hit me recently that it was like a made-up thing yeah. not that long ago. It comes from design aesthetic, but for it to be as a lifestyle yeah. is it's just a bunch of people on the internet made it up basically, mm. yeah. So, but it resonated. Oh yeah. That's the thing. That it's, um, and it, look, it's I'm a not cultural dis- thing. I'm but not it, discrediting yeah. minimalism as a lifestyle concept at all. I think it's a really important thing to live by. But at the same time, labels can be damaging. And if you want to be able to live a little bit more flexibly and not feel, I think it's, it's different, right? Because we've been creating content around this. So it's different for us to sort of say how somebody that isn't a content creator around this can embody it because it's a completely different approach to how we've approached it. Because as you said before, they're not, needing to come up with new content and like they just do it right okay let's let's go there now let's go there now so the content creation piece and look this is more personal to our journey but it could relate to yours as well whether you're embarking on owning a new identity a new value set a new hobby a new interest but then turning that into your profession and what implications that might have but you know to your point Someone who is learning about minimalism wants to apply some simplicity to their life and across all areas, you know, their journey might be floating in and out of consuming this type of content. Their journey might be to, you know, read a book on minimalism or watch a documentary or uh, join a Facebook group about it or follow some people on social media and then apply those principles to their lives and they're done, you know. They might go back to the content or interact with people with a similar sort of mindset just to keep it going. But effectively, they've gone into it as deeply as they needed to. Now, I can't speak on behalf of uh, uh, everybody who considers themselves a minimalist and what that might look like and how often they are immersing themselves in the mindset of minimalism. But as uh, we can certainly speak on the creator side because... 
you know, when you spend almost, I don't know, seven years writing and talking about minimalism, one, there's only so much you can say, but two, I think it starts to add its own layer of unnecessary pressure and maybe take that magic away that you would have experienced if it was purely for yourself. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we believe in upholding a level of integrity. And, you know, if we're going to talk about an idea, an ideal so passionately, we sure as hell want to follow through Embody and live, yeah. live by that, right? Um, you know, we, want, we don't want to be fraudulent or, or anything like that. But that comes with its own unnecessary pressure. Um, can you speak on, on what that experience has been like? And how, and how that's maybe changed how you feel about minimalism. Mm. And again, as I said before, like this has only really hit me in the last couple of weeks. Before that, I didn't even really think about it that much. It was just something that was there. And maybe I didn't think about it because I was deep down inside. I was worried about where I would go with it, you know, when we're so intertwined in what we do. And it's like, well, what will happen if I start to go, oh, well, I don't want to label myself as that anymore. Mm. Like what happens to the minimalist vegan, you know? Um, because if you have different feelings towards minimalism, then I suppose you're not being authentic to yourself as a creator mm. or someone talking about minimalism, mm. right? Yeah. But, you know, as as we were talking before this whole idea of making sure that you live by those principles and that everything that you do is within that constraint. And, you know, there's been times where I've wanted to buy things and people have made statements like, well, oh, that's not very minimalist of you. Ha ha ha. And it like, and I'm such a people pleaser that for me, it always deep down inside, it hurts and it makes me feel a little bit inauthentic because of how I've just been seen by somebody else. And it's silly things, you know, like most people wouldn't even give it two thoughts, but because of this label that I've put on myself, I'm not blaming anybody else for it. I've put it on myself and we've created this amazing life out of it. It does come with its sort of restrictions in some ways. Yeah, because there's an accountability. There's a social accountability. And also if you've, not only do you create content, but you're passionate about it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially with people who are close to us. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> and we've talked about it as episodes, but when you share a space with other people who are not minimalist and, you know, that can create a pretty challenging environment where everything comes out. It's like some people are happy to, okay, living in clutter, you're not, and that can create a bit of tension there, right? Mm. And um, that that sort of that ideal really comes out in that conflict. And then, of course, if you're acting in a way that's perceived as not living in line with what you've just discussed, people are going to want to call you out on it. So, and it's interesting because we were discussing this the other the other day and it hit me as well because the thought of like being so enthusiastic about this stuff and then being seen as doing the opposite is like terrifying and i wonder if i have adjusted my behavior to live up to what we talk about 
to remove any of those excuses or objections. You know what I mean? To always be in uh, in alignment mm. with that philosophy. Where I think minimalism is different to veganism in the sense that, you know, I, I, I do feel like minimalism is like this on and off switch, even though there's an underlying mindset and there's a way, like, I don't know, like I have just conditioned myself to this point where it's like a lot of decisions when it comes to consuming stuff is filtered through this minimalist mindset. Yeah. However, for for many of us, it's actually more of an on and off switch. Like, it's like when things get a bit out of balance in your life and get a bit chaotic or out of control, it's probably a good idea to be able to hit the reset button and be like, well, have I taken on too much? Do I have too much? You know, mm. there's probably some answers that lie in the excess of whatever situation that you're in that you could or just asking yourself the right questions to help yourself make the best decision for yourself i think actually when it comes down to it it's even like listening to your gut more and looking at the bigger picture of things as well because sometimes opportunities and shiny objects might come up but they're not always the best things even though you might think in short term they are but in the long term they might not be or vice versa you know so i think there are many situations on a daily basis where you'll find yourself that minimalist principles will serve you well yeah there you go so it is it could be a daily thing but it could be an on and off thing but i suppose with veganism it's more definitive in that when you decide to consume something there is that consideration of the impact on animals and that supply chain but i think as a creator talking about minimalism sometimes you might need a break from it and it's like you almost feel like you can't let yourself off the hook yeah and i think that's that's the the challenge about it um and when i say let off the hook it's not even like there's a desire to go and just (laughs) buy a whole bunch of stuff or you know what i mean there's not there's nothing like that there's no motivation at it it's just more like you get kind of get over it you kind of get over i think it's the the, light and it loses its spark that it once had Yeah, I think it's probably more so the label and the way that you talk to other people about it and and how it's perceived. And I think if you can just like live your day by day life without that heavy involvement in it, it's a very different, it feels like a very different picture. So I find that that's really fascinating stepping outside of that creator bubble and just being a minimalist in this world yeah you know and look and i think this is we're going to wrap up this conversation soon but i think this is the punchline and this is this is the aha moment that we've had and i think you guys could probably relate to in some way and this comes back to taking an interest a hobby a new value a new identity a curiosity and turn it into a profession is what can maybe it can potentially change the way you feel about that thing so for example you might love singing you might be a talented singer and then your dream is to become a professional singer as in you want to get paid for this that's your passion so you sign a record label you have a big following you're selling out little gigs and concerts so you're doing it you're doing the thing but then five years pass 10 years pass 15 years pass and you're still singing you're doing it every single day now for some of us, that can continue to be a passionate thing that fuels us. But for many other people, that becomes a job. 
and you can kind of get over it. That's just one example of many. You hear a lot of athletes that fall out of love of the sport that they're doing because it's their job, it's their profession, they're doing it every single day. And I feel like we're experiencing a little bit of that in minimalism. We don't even really follow or read or consume any content around minimalism at all anymore. We haven't for many years because it's like it's just too... Once again, there's only so much you can say about it. There's only so much depth you can achieve in the topic, but it's also like has a bit of a visceral reaction. Like that's the last thing we want to think about right now. And I feel like being too close to that at a professional level has left that bit of taste in our mouth a little bit about minimalism. And it's all come to a head when it's it's reached this level of saturation mm. and it's probably just irritating us even more at this point, you know? So... um I don't know. I don't know what what it is we're trying to say because we're, we're just talking this out. But I think if you're if you're pursuing something and you're want, and it's something that's just for you, and then you want to, and then you eventually make that your profession, you monetize it. That is a risk that we all face. Is this situation that we're in now, mm. where it's all intertwined? Because at some point, we're like, this is the way. Like in terms of, you know, you, what what we believe fuels our work and our work fuels what we believe and it goes around in this circle we're like oh this is this is the key right because it's also intertwined but i think that closeness in everything has kind of turned into a bit of a broken record and i think that's something that we need to watch and something that we will be planning for and making adjustments for in the near future. Watch this space. So watch this space. <laughs> and talking about space is creating that space because we, we do, we love minimalism. We love everything it stands for in that way. We, but we want we want to genuinely feel that, you know. We don't want to have to create around it to enjoy it. Mm. We want to take it back and just make it personal. So I think we'll leave it there. This has been this has been an eye-opening conversation. I, you know, we've got some question marks here, but it's important to make these reflections and sort of take a pulse of where we're at. So that's, I've enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it's definitely given us some clarity and a lot of food for thought and even just like reflecting back and yeah, it's just interesting how you grow as an individual. Is there anything else you want to add? No. No? No. Probably going to need to go do some journaling now or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. And we hope that it's been a refreshing and interesting listen for you. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. And we'll be here again in another fortnight. Oh, I forgot to mention, you'll find the show notes over at theminimalistvegan.com forward slash 071. And yeah, I think that's it. Let's wrap it up. Sounds good. We'll speak to you again soon, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.